Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ, Bucky, and Rhett with you here today. Boys, uh, I'll start with you, Buck. What's going on, man? How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. Same old, same old thing, adjusting to, uh, I guess, work from home life. But it's cool. Everything is good. Um, we're still getting football news, so everything is going as planned, particularly with the draft not moving. And so we're about a month away. Yeah, it's um, it, it's just another day in what has been the most unique two to three weeks of everyone's life. Um, I, I'm glad the draft isn't moving. It gives me a, a, a solid target here of what to look forward to. And hopefully we can get some Path to the Draft content out to the folks here uh, sometime soon. Uh, and it was originally scheduled to begin April 6th on NFL Network. Uh, hopefully... Uh, sometime around then, we can start getting uh, some of our uh, some of our favorite path to the draft uh, segments and comments and and uh, and analysis out there um, really soon. Looking forward to that. Yeah, a bunch of people on Twitter have been hitting us all up saying, "When is path to the draft coming back?" Well, the answer is we don't know. Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, <laughs> we're trying to trying to serve 
serve that audience here on the podcast until we can get Path to the Draft cranked up. Uh, so, some things I want to talk about today, guys. We've got Cam Newton officially released, so we can discuss that. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, I want to talk about what it means with all the con- all the talk out there about these general managers wanting to move the draft back. Why is that? I've had a chance to talk to a couple of them. Um, and so I can kind of fill you in on what the real concerns are there. And, and Buck and Rhett, love to get your thoughts on that as well. Uh, talk about what the Panthers are doing, not only just releasing Cam Newton, but um, trading another quarterback away, signing a quarterback from the XFL, and then what the acquisition of Robbie Anderson is going to tell us about the future of where this team is headed and how they're going to try and build that team, I think is a, a, a fascinating conversation that we can have. But I want to start, Buck, with, uh, with the Cam Newton news. Um, and I, I do, I do want to let you enjoy and revel in this because I laughed out loud when I saw your tweet this morning because um, I, I don't know if it was ESPN or somebody had tweeted out something about Cam Newton and how he had lost his last, you know, whatever, eight starts, I believe it is. And, uh, and, and, and Buck, I laughed because you pointed out the fact that, well, hold on. I thought, I thought Twitter said that uh, we weren't allowed to hold losses uh, against quarterbacks, <laughs> which, is, which I literally laughed because it's so true. How many times do you get beat up? If we say a kid is a winner, you know, like, oh, this coming out of college, this kid's a winner, you know, won a lot. Of, like, whoa, no, that's, a, that's not a quarterback stat. But now, conveniently, it is a quarterback stat. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, it is it is funny. It's, it's always kind of like the moving goalposts when it comes to quarterbacks. But, I mean, DJ, I think ultimately you kind of have to treat them like starting pitchers. Like the quarterback is ultimately the one that touches the ball on every play. He is most responsible for whether a team wins or loses primarily. And, I mean, outside of that, I don't know how else you would really judge quarterbacks. I mean, we can't judge them on passing yards or passer rating because everything has to be done in the context of helping your team win games. And even though we've seen quarterbacks uh, win Super Bowls and big games without being the primary force of the offense, I still think they play a critical role because of so much uh, information and stuff that they dispense at the line of scrimmage and all of that other stuff. So I have some questions on Cam Newton. <laughs> um I, and because you guys, you guys will be able to answer these a little bit better than than I could. What do you guys feel like from what you've heard is the sentiment regarding Cam right now amongst some NFL executives? Is there is there a thought on how he would handle certain situations if he was not immediately anointed a starting quarterback spot on a new team? Go ahead, Buck. I'll let you tackle that one first. Uh, I think a lot of the perception on Cam is whatever the perception you had on Cam prior to the draft. If you were a Cam Newton fan uh, with him coming into the league, then you're going to be more likely. Yeah, yeah, you're going to be more likely to like him now that he's out and available. But if you weren't a a fan, um, there's a bit of confirmation bias, a little bit of, hey, 10 years in, we told you that a running quarterback couldn't last that long. He couldn't do X, Y, and Z. And so you're less likely to kind of want him to be your quarterback. I think the big thing for Cam is having legitimate advocates. At no time did I ever believe that the Washington Redskins were a legitimate um, option for him. I just felt like Ron Rivera and maybe that coaching staff grew tired of having to deal with Cam and just everything that kind of comes along with being Cam. And so for a guy who is a uh, MVP, a guy who has uh, been a multiple-time pro bowler, I think he's going to have a hard time finding a spot to land. 
And so we can talk about the New England Patriots, which I think are his best spot. But outside of that, I don't know if there's a natural fit. And I'll throw out the charges, but I still don't get the sense that that's a legitimate one. And so if he doesn't go to one of those places, I don't know where Cam Newton lines up. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know where to put him in in terms of, of where he would fit. And it's like, you're going to put him as a true number two? Like, that's you know, the guy's MVP of the league not that long ago. Um, it just seems like that would be an uncomfortable situation for everybody involved. And I, I do think Bucky hit on something. Um, you know, the knocks, uh, some of the knocks you heard on Cam Newton, especially when he was younger, not, not even necessarily coming out, but when he was a younger player, was, oh, you know, he's, you know, they questioned his work ethic and questioned how much time, you know, he was putting in. You heard stories about, you know, there were stories about him falling asleep in film sessions. You know, these things kind of all made their way uh, around the league. And I think the fact that Ron Rivera, who should know him better than anyone, um, didn't want to get into the Cam Newton business, I think that legitimately scares people off. Buck, you remember when uh, you remember when Taylor Mays was coming out into the draft oh, and people peak. were comparing yeah. him? I think it was yes. him and Earl Thomas, right? Yeah. And people were talking about the two of them, and then Pete Carroll wisely uh, chose Earl Thomas. But I think that even caused Taylor Mays to fall even further in the draft because people thought, well, man, Pete Carroll knows this guy better than anybody, and he's, you know, he he's not getting in on this. So what does that what does that mean? I think there's some of that with with Cam here and, and the Ron Rivera connection. No, I absolutely believe that is true in terms of uh, the perception because no one can bring Cam in. You just kind of led to kind of lean on the tea leaves, like just kind of read the tea leaves and a lot of what you think about him is based on how did Ron Rivera react to him. More so, how did Dave Gettleman and all the people that have worked in Carolina, that have gone other places, what is their view on Cam Newton? Uh, I know uh, with reasonable certainty that David Gettleman never was necessarily a Cam Newton fan because his ideal quarterback was always an Eli Manning type. Well, they can't get more polar opposite in terms of prototypes than Eli and Cam in terms of not only playing style, but personality. And so for Cam, Cam is going to almost have to reinvent himself to make himself kind of pleasing to the next thing. And I'm going to compare it to Randall Cunningham. And I know that's kind of like dating us or whatever, but Randall Cunningham at Philadelphia, the Randall Cunningham that reemerged at Minnesota, was a completely different type player and persona. Cam Newton is going to have to dial it back to be a guy that is kind of um, welcomed by the masses in terms of being a quarterback, whether it's QB1 or QB2. Okay, so here's my thought on possible scenarios, because are we all in agreement here that there is not one club right now in the NFL that's ready to anoint Cam their starter for 2020? Right. Yeah, I would I would agree with that where we are right now. Yeah. Okay. so then here here are the three scenarios for me. One is he goes to a place if they decide that they want to bring him in a place like Jacksonville, where there might be a a competition. Right. With Gardner Minshew there, um, who's, you know, not necessarily um, entrenched as a starting quarterback for that franchise or you have a scenario where Cam's got to sit back and say, all right, where can I go and be in a, a good environment where I then have the, the potential to start maybe not this year, maybe next year. 
maybe an older quarterback situation. Pittsburgh. Like, well, there's a couple of teams in the NFC South that might fit that bill. Um, you know, maybe it's Tampa, maybe maybe even New Orleans um, with Drew Brees nearing the end. And then two AFC teams kind of strike me as well, um, although you'd have to make a call on whether, you know, the Colts feel comfortable with Jacoby Brissett or whether they would like to bring in, you know, Cam to maybe be an, op- an option for them once Phillip Rivers goes or Pittsburgh. I mean, talk about, you know, a guy in Ben Roethlisberger that may have, you know, two more years or so. Would Cam be willing to entertain an option like that? Uh, and would the Steelers want to do that as well? I, though that, that type of option. And then is there another scenario out there where there's a quarterback um, like, uh, like Marcus Mariota was this past year in Tennessee, where Ryan Tannehill came in as a capable starter um, if things went wrong? So, you know, those three scenarios are really the the only the only things that I can foresee. Any any thought on that? Yeah, I, I think it's to me, Pittsburgh is a team that makes the most sense. Um, and I, it's not just for Cam, but I would say for Jameis, um, that that to me is a team I would keep an eye on just because we don't know, you know, is Ben going to physically be able to hold up and you could have a quarterback that could that could take over for Ben. And I think in the way the Pittsburgh Steelers, when they've been at their best, I know they've had years where Ben's, you know, they've thrown it all over the all over the yard. But when that organization traditionally is at their best, it's good defense. They run the football. Quarterback makes good decisions. Like that's kind of the the way they operate. And I I, I actually want to shift gears here and go to Jameis because I feel like there's still hope for Jameis Winston. I think so much was put on his plate there with Tampa, asking him to do everything for that offense now he throws for over 5,000 yards but everybody you know obviously points out the turnovers you know the 30 picks but I think if he were to go to a place where they had a run game where they had you know relied more on their defense and weren't quite as aggressive as Bruce Arians likes to be offensively that I think that Jameis Winston still has a chance to be a quality starting quarterback and to me Jameis Winston to Pittsburgh Buck that makes all the sense in the world to me when you're trying to trying to fit for for either Cam or for Jameis. Yeah, I, a couple of things because <clears throat> kind of have to compartmentalize the discussion. Uh, for Jameis, the Pittsburgh Steelers make the most sense to me. <clears throat> if I'm a team and I'm looking at my quarterback situation, I have Ben Roethlisberger, and then I'm looking at Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, there's no way that you can tell me in, 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 in like a rational thought that Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges is a better player or more talented player than Jameis Winston. We've seen those guys play. So even at his worst, Jameis Winston has been productive in the league. You just don't throw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns in the National Football League. Like, that's not a fluke or a happenstance. We can talk about the turnovers, and the turnovers are a significant issue. However, if I'm Pittsburgh and I'm looking for the next one to take the torch from Ben Roethlisberger, I think Jameis is a better option um, than the two that they have on the roster. In terms of Cam, um, Rhett, I think you bring up a a good situation in Jacksonville. However, I would say there is a 0% chance that Cam Newton ends up in Jacksonville. And one one of the reasons I would say this is, in looking at the recent departures from Jacksonville, every personality that they had is out the building. From Jalen, Telvin Smith walked away. Um, A.J. Boyer had a little bit. Marcel Darius, all of that. I get a sense that in Jacksonville, 
if they're going down, they're going down with good guys that are good soldiers, that are quiet and compliant. I just don't get a sense that the Jaguars would be in the Cam Newton sweepstakes, despite the fact that we would say, man, it makes a lot of sense. Also, with Jay Gruden there, I think Jay Gruden would be more likely to advocate for Andy Dalton coming on board if and when he's released from the Cincinnati Bengals because he knows the system. And I was looking at some tape today at some other players. Andy Dalton can still play. Like, you may not like him in terms of, like, a high-end player, but Andy Dalton is a starting quarterback in the league. I think that probably makes a little more sense when we compartmentalize it. And so for Cam, I just I, I just don't know where it goes. And the quarterback two situation is so tricky that – we talked about like Cam going behind a Ben Roethlisberger or a Drew Brees. Man, it is really, really hard to put two alphas in the same room. I could tell you without blowing up my source, they told me that in New Orleans, Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater didn't watch film in the same room. They didn't have any issues, but both of those guys saw themselves as starters, and so they went about their work independently, and then they would just kind of come together. And so when you think about the mindset of the starting quarterback, man, it is, it is hard to have another guy that you have seen have success in the league at a high level. It, it's just hard to put him in a seat right behind you. Yeah, which, which leads me to believe, you know, maybe we don't see Cam Newton sign at the start of the season. Maybe this is a situation where Cam sits back and, and wait to, to see what inevitably is going to happen early in every season as you're going to have a quarterback go down, and then and then maybe that opens a door for him to come in. You know, the, the other situation that I would look at, and I don't, know, I don't know that it's a great fit for Cam Newton, but selfishly I just like to see it from a creativity standpoint. Can you imagine um, if Cam wanted to say, okay, I'm going to take a, take a year, sign a one-year deal, I'm going to let my body totally get healthy because I'm going to go to San Francisco and they're going to just kind of use me in some red zone stuff and different things. How fun would it be to see Kyle Shanahan with somebody like Cam Newton? I love it, DJ. I thought about it before. Um, I get the sense that Kyle Shanahan isn't in love with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think about Cam Newton being able to play in that offense. And even though he's maybe a declining athlete, Cam Newton running on the backside of bootlegs off the stretch and all of that stuff, I would just imagine that a really good head coach and offensive mind can not only like play with Cam and kind of figure out a way to use him, I think Cam needs to go to a situation where he really gets good coaching. No disrespect to the guys that have been in Carolina, but to learn from a legitimate quarterback whisperer, a high-end offensive mind, I think that would do him wonders, and I think if the price is right, I think that is something that has to be explored. Um, San Francisco would be a good place, and I still contend that at some point the New England Patriots are going to knock on Cam Newton's door. When you go back and read the stuff that Bill Belichick has said about Cam Newton in the past prior to their matchups, he has just been glowing about Cam Newton, how hard he was to defend, what he's like as a dual threat quarterback, and how he is public enemy number one. Like, they've never had to defend a guy that is tougher from a dual threat perspective. And typically, when Bill Belichick has kind of lobbed those verbal bouquets at players, he's found a way to get those guys on the team. Randy Moss, Ocho Cinco, Antonio Brown, the list goes on and on. I still believe that somewhere in there, 
Cam Newton will be in that conversation, even though they have Jared Stenham and Brian Hoyer already in the fall. Yeah, now that would be that'd be fun to watch him up there uh, in New England playing for Coach Belichick. That'd be uh, something to see there. I, I think it, you know, going to the San Francisco thing, it's almost be like a gap year, right? People take that year off, yes, uh, kind of go recalibrate, get with somebody, get mechanically dialed in, get good coaching, um, and then kind of reset your career. That could make some sense there, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, guys, interesting discussion this week. Sam Farmer from the LA Times wrote an article where he had quoted several general managers who had complained about the, the draft not being moved back in the times in which we find ourselves. And it was a, a big-time time crunch with all that's going on. They didn't understand why it hadn't been moved back. The NFL seems to be standing firm, uh, letting the draft go on as scheduled. And, uh, and, Buck, I had a chance to talk to a couple GMs over the last 24 hours about this, and it was much what we had talked about you know, between us was there's, it's going to cost so many good players an opportunity because the non-combine guys, they don't have medicals on, and every general manager that I talked to about this said, we're not going to draft a player we do not have a medical grade on. It's not going to happen. So that, you know, and there will, team, some teams will, but it's going to dramatically – uh, decrease the number of non-combine players that get drafted. It's going to take opportunities away from those good players um, not getting a chance to get the medical information on them. Talking about the 40s, people, they're okay with that. We can, you can go off play speed, trust your eyes. Um, you can get, you know, you'd be fine with the guys not having pro days, not getting a chance to see them do that. But the medical thing was a big deal. And, you know, until the NFL came out with this uh, ruling that said all buildings were going to be closed, there were guys you talked to in states that have been hit by this that were like, man, this is not fair. Our whole, our whole organization scattered. We're all at home. While these other organizations in places that haven't been affected by the virus are getting a chance to conduct business as usual. It's a, it's a complete, uh, uh, it's, a, it's not fair. It's, it's a, it's a uh, what am I looking for here? It's a, a competitive disadvantage, I guess. Is, that's what they find themselves. So that's been eliminated with this rule. But there's, uh, you know, it is interesting to see these guys are adamant about the fact that we got to push this thing back. My question to you, though, how far do you how far do you push it back? I mean, if we're, uh, you know, if, if this thing's not getting better, I don't know, you know, when when is the perfect time to hold the draft? Then, if you're not going to get a chance to get a physical now, what means you're going to be able to get a chance to get a physical uh, a month from now? I mean, DJ, I think I think that's why uh, the league and I've heard conversations. Um, I want to say Art Rooney the second had talked about. There's no way for us to put a timetable on when the world will get back to normal. There's no guarantee in a month that it would be any better. So we had to stick to the timeline when it came to starting the league year and those things. And I think they're kind of operating under the same premise when it comes to uh, this situation. Uh, I know it's uncomfortable for a lot of general managers and executives to kind of figure out a way to work around the challenges that they're presented. But I firmly believe that uh, the forward-thinking general managers that are able to have a plan, the ones who are really up on technology, have the ability to continue to conduct business uh, using Zoom and some of the other technologies that are available. You can still get it done. And looking at that piece, I was kind of blown away by uh, one of the executives saying, um, I don't have my draft board. I can't look at my draft board. I don't have a way of seeing that. Like to me, pull up your computer. That's that's a level of that's that's kind of being irresponsible. Like if if you don't know what the board is, because DJ, like in my experience, we all put the board 
on our computer in some way, shape, or form, uh, be it spreadsheets or whatever, you kind of know who the players are. You don't have the big visual perspective, but you generally know where everyone ranks. You have a way of seeing who's who and what's what and being able to do the compare, contrast thing that you would typically do with the board. So when I saw that, I was like, well, that just seems like an epic fail in general that you don't have it. I don't think that's something that COVID-19 necessarily prevent. That just doesn't seem like someone who has a solid plan for how to go about doing their business. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Like, what does the draft board look like digitally to each person that is now having to collaborate their thoughts with everyone else via teleconference in some way, shape or form? Um, DJ, I know you, I, I've seen how you do yours with your, uh, with your Excel sheet. It's got your grade on it and all that. But like for a team that has a universal board, right? Um, is, how, how, would that, how would that look to each person uh, via technology and not uh, the physical board? Well, there's one, there's one keeper of the board. So it's either your, you know, your general manager, your director of player personnel, but one person is in charge of the master board. And most teams have digital boards in their room, so that's, it's all on the computer. It pops up on there. But even if you just had an old-school cards up on the wall, um, you're still going to have that in your computer, and there's one person that keeps it. So like when I started with the Baltimore Ravens, you know, Ozzy was a GM, but Phil ran the draft board. So Phil would have all that in his computer. So you know when you go around the room, and you're going to be doing this over virtual meetings now, um, saying, okay, we're going to discuss uh, Neville Gallimore. We've got him right here. He's our fifth defensive tackle. Um, and so that's kind of the vertical board um, and then uh, or the horizontal board, I should say. And then you're going to mix him in with all the other players at other positions. So you go through, go around the room, per se, the virtual room. Everybody that hasn't read their report reads their report. You have him already in, the, in there right now. He's your he's our you know, for the Ravens. He's our fifth defensive tackle. So. Anybody else that's done him, okay, would you take him or would you take Elliott from Missouri? Would you take him or would you take Raekwon Dave? Would you take him or Matt Abuike? And then once we get him sorted out on there, then we're going to go, okay, now let's mix him in with other players at that same level across the other positions. And then it literally just gets put into that one, com- into Phil Savage's computer, um, and that's where the draft board is held. And so when you get to draft day, the challenge that, that uh, if we went forward with the draft, the challenge in talking to people would be, we're okay if you can just give us if we have seven seven people you know it's less than fewer than 10 if if you would open up our building and let seven of us you know at a safe social distance six feet apart from each other be in the draft room we can operate the draft we'd have enough people to be on the phones for trades we can communicate directly right there we can see what we need to see and get things accomplished the challenge would be if everybody had to be in their individual home buck, Ooh. that would be a major, major challenge for these teams if they couldn't at least convene with a handful, five to seven That's of them in one place. Yeah, no, that, that, that would be um, a tough time because the thing about the draft is, um, DJ, having, having sat in those rooms, you know, we have all these different side conversations that take place uh, based on what may happen in front of us. Uh, say we're picking 15. There's a surprise that goes at 10. Well, now we need everyone in the room because now a player that we didn't expect to be in range is suddenly in range. And so now, DJ, I need you to read your report on player X. Do we have the medical on player X? Can we get this? Is it worth us moving up? Those things would be more challenging to do via teleconference 
than being in person. So I do understand that challenge of being able to kind of conduct some of the business that kind of takes place um, during the fire drill of draft day. So, okay, that one question is, you know, obviously very important. Does Phil Savage's laptop come with like a handcuff and a briefcase? <laughs> like, if Virgil? He's, like, like the nuclear football, like he's got the codes, like that's what it is. Okay. Um, all right. So he's got the draft board. Got it. Um, the, the second question is, and it's the big one when we're talking about medicals, right? It's all right. How do we now go, go forward with our evaluation medically of Tua Tungavailoa? Uh, obviously he came out with the video, um, it showed him moving around a little bit and also throwing, uh, some of the first, uh, first pieces of video that we've seen there. Are you going to be comfortable enough if the last piece of medical information you have on Tua came from the combine? Are you going to be comfortable enough taking him in the top five picks of the draft? Man, I still think it's a hard one. Like that that snippet and snapshot that we saw with uh, Tua working out with Trent Dilfer was terrific. Um, it gave you a sense of where he is in his rehab and recovery. Um, I believe this. I don't know who did the surgery on Tua, but let's just say uh, – I want to give credit to the right person, but let's just say it's Dr. Andrews. Um, I believe there are enough people – that understand how to get in contact with Dr. James Andrews or any other prominent uh, surgeon to be able to talk about some of those things and exchange some of that information. I also believe that uh, where there's a will, there's a way, and that if you want to dispense and dispatch certain people to certain areas to get a feel for what Tua Tungavaloa, uh, where he is in his development, I think that you can do that. Um, it, I'm just saying I think we've, we've seen it enough, and I'm not saying that it's always right, but I think we've seen it enough where people that want answers find a way to get those answers. Yeah, and I think what you're kind of insinuating there, Buck, is that whether it's inside the current rules or outside the current rules, that there's probably going to be a way that people are going to get that done um, is kind of what we're getting at here. Now, I know you know what the limits the NFL has put in place for competitive reasons, you know, not being able to go do this or that medically. But I'm just, you know, this league has a long history of teams being able to find workarounds. <laughs> and I would say it's probably going to be an example uh, that they will find a workaround there. But but speaking of that video, I was I, I don't I don't want to use hyperbole here, Buck, but I was I was shocked at how well he was moving. I mean, it was when you're watching that, I'm going, OK, which hip did he hurt again? Like, golly, he looks he looks juicy and explosive and crisp. Juicy. Um, Man, he looked he looked good. Juicy is a scouting word, Red. I'm I'm I'm, I'm using that one. He did. It was, he's got some juice. Got some juice, man. I I agree. I I was I was kind of shocked. Like I uh, I thought I was going to see something a little more half speed, and so it certainly kind of. I thought it was going to be playing catch stationary, like just sitting there with his feet in the ground, just playing catch. Like oh boy, yeah, here we go. And next thing you know, he's he's freaking just seven step drops with his feet look like typewriter feet. Just do 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 They look good. Which means that he's been working up to this, right? So, like, this wasn't this obviously isn't the first progression of you know getting out there. I mean, that was a that was a full speed movement there, or at least uh, uh, close to it. So, I mean, the trend is really good. So, you have that to put in your evaluation. He's passed every checkpoint it seems thus far with flying colors. So, to get to this point now and know that everything is still on the up and up, like. You, you got to feel a little bit more comfortable, but I'm with both of you guys that they're, they're, where there's a will, there's a way, and somebody's going to be find a way to get comfortable enough for sure uh, to to put Tua Tungle by Loa's name down on a card real early. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I I think it's a 
a done deal. I think that will make some people uh, feel better about it. And I, look, it, it's kind of like the thing. If you are to a fan, you're more likely to see the glass uh, half full, more so than half empty when it came to his injury. That just kind of gave you some more hope to be able to go to your people and say, see, I told you, he's going to be fine. We can we can make the move. Um, I just think everyone wants to do their due diligence and see if they can dot any I's and cross any T's just to make sure that um, the medical risks are minimum when it comes to pulling his name off the board. Yeah, and again, it's just it's a tricky injury, so it's not necessarily – you know, is he up to full speed right now? It's what are the chances of him re-injuring this hip? Um, you know, that's something that you got to rely on your medical people to get that information. But, man, he did look good uh, in that video. Guys, I want to hit on uh, a couple things here. And, uh, Buck, I'll go to you on this two-part two part deal here with, um, with what the Carolina Panthers are doing. We already talked about Cam moving on there. But then they also uh, made a trade. They trade Kyle Allen to the Washington Redskins. So two questions. Why does that make sense? Uh, for the Panthers to make that decision, but even more so why the Redskins bring in Kyle Allen with what they have on campus right now. Uh, I I think Kyle Allen leaving the Panthers made a lot of sense because Matt Rule had an opportunity to go get his former quarterback. Uh, P.J. Walker was his starting quarterback at Temple. He knows him. He knows the character uh, that P.J. Walker um, has displayed as the leader of his team. And then P.J. Walker, um, look, the XFL is what the XFL is. He was the star of the league. Running June Jones' running shoots, running shoot offense, he was killing it. And I think he showed people that he legitimately could be uh, a starting quarterback at some point if he develops. And I think that was very, very intriguing. And as you're doing a rebuild, um, we have seen coaches like familiar faces. It allows you to to skip maybe a couple steps when it comes to the installation process. And so I think that was the thing. For Cal Allen going to the Redskins and why the Redskins were intrigued, there are people in that building on that coaching staff that legitimately feel like Cal Allen is a QB1. Um, I've had conversations <laughs> where they told me as much. They have told me that, look, I know um, it didn't end well for him at Carolina, but he had to do a lot with a little. And I was like, well, Cam had to do the same thing. But he was like, he's like no, that's neither here nor there. But they were like, look, Cal, Cal Allen is talented. He understands how to run the offense. And if surrounded by playmakers, they believe that he could be a solid starter. And looking at how this affects the conversation with Dwayne Haskins, um, Dwayne Haskins is going to have to be clearly the better player than Kyle Allen to win this job. If it's one where it's tight, I believe Kyle Allen will win the job. So in my tweet, I said, like, this is one where he'll have to knock him out because if it goes to the judges, Kyle Allen will win by decision. Um, The pressure is on Dwayne Haskins to outwork Kyle Allen, uh, understand the offense better than Kyle Allen, which is going to be difficult in this short setting. And then he's going to have to perform at a high level in terms of efficiency, um, being able to make plays and not turn it over. He is going to have to do all those things. So really, in my mind, Haskins faces longer odds to win the job than most in this situation would. But it's ultimately on him. He has to play at a higher level than Kyle Allen. If not, Kyle Allen would be the Redskins starter. I think that's terrific insight. I, I didn't necessarily think about it from the Redskins' point of view with Haskins in in the sense of, you know, the shortened 
offseason that we're going to have playing such a big factor here. Now, look, I know that they're going to be able to get the playbooks in the hands of their guys and stuff. It, it just you won't have that uh, on the job learning of OTAs and and maybe even mini camp here at some point or it's all going to be truncated. So, yeah, I guess I would agree with you, Bucky, in that Kyle Allen seems like he's got the leg up here at this point. It's almost like it's uh, he's coming in with uh, this being, I don't want to say his job to lose, but he's definitely seem, seemingly has the edge in terms of experience, knowledge, and familiarity with the guys that are making the decision. Uh, that's certainly interesting. Um, I, I don't necessarily, you know, it would seem to me that from a talent perspective, you know, it would flip, but uh, just, you know, we, we've seen time and time again, that's not always what ends up happening. Um I, I thought, uh, guys, if you, DJ, if you want to get into the Robbie Anderson move here um, from the Carolina point, man, I thought that was, um, it, you know, once we didn't see Robbie go off the board in the first three, four, five days of free agency, uh, and you see maybe you could see the price come down a little bit, it just made more and more sense for Carolina, especially considering the familiarity there to go get a guy who, by the way, is just 26 years old, 26 years old. Um, Actually, probably had his best year in the league when he was 24 back in 17. We had almost a thousand yards. Um, you know, he's kind of dealt with some off the field stuff, but who better to rein him in and maybe unleash um, the potential that he probably saw when he was in college than his old college coach and Matt Rule? Well, this to me is what I want to get into because it talks about using free agency as evidence of what's to come in the draft. And I think when you look at that move, and we've talked to Matt Rulebuck um, in the past, and he talked about um, when he goes into a new situation, he talked about wanting to build a fast, long, fast athletic team. And he looked, when he was recruiting, spent a lot of time uh, looking at track times. You know, what what type of uh, athlete are you dealing with here? Bringing in as much speed as he can, and they have confidence they can coach guys up and get them deployed properly. But he wants he wants to be a fast football team. So you start out, you go out and get somebody like a Robbie Anderson. So what does that mean when we look at the Carolina Panthers and where they pick seven in the first round? Who is that height, weight, speed player? Well, it's one guy, and it's one guy above everybody else, and that's Isaiah Simmons. Um, to be able to bring in a guy like Isaiah Simmons at six three and a half, almost two hundred and forty pounds, who ran sub four four, um, that to me points to the blueprint of how Matt Rule believes you build the football team, and that's especially uh, you know defensively and at the skill positions offensively, is you get as fast as you possibly can. Oh, I absolutely agree. Um, we talked in that conversation. He talked about speed all over the place, and how you want to up to Annie and. If you look about, if you think about how you want to build your team, you got to build your team to win uh, your division. Well, when I look at that division, the Atlanta Falcons are loaded with offensive talent, so you have to have speed there. You look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady is now throwing to uh, a talented uh, wide receiver core, and I'm sure they're going to upgrade the running back situation. The New Orleans Saints go. It goes without saying how explosive that offense is. Matt Rule understands that for them to win, it's one thing to outscore your opponent. But it's another thing to have to defend what you have to defend. And for them to do it on either side of the ball, they have to be a faster, more athletic team than the Panthers have been. Because I felt like looking at the Panthers um, the last couple of years, this was a slower team than the team that went to the Super Bowl. The team that went to the Super Bowl, they played like their hair was on fire. They were flying all over the place. Not the same team. And I think he sees that. And I think he's going to make steps to make sure that this is a fast team uh, on the field. 
Okay, uh, and and I, I agree with you guys there. What is where does that leave? You know, two of their current pieces, really, their their two only pieces at wide receiver, um, sub six feet, but clearly some speed, especially in the Curtis Samuel um, range. But what? How do you feel like they'll deploy Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore then as well um, as you bring in Robbie Anderson and maybe continue to look to add to that in the draft? I think Robbie Anderson is going to be the outside flyer. I think you look at those other two with Moore and Samuel, guys that can both play in the slot. Uh, they can be more of your, you know, gadget players, for lack of a better word. You know, you can get the ball in their hands quickly. I think you're going to get your vertical player here with Robbie Anderson. But it is interesting now when you kind of look at this team. You know, DJ Moore can run, Curtis Samuel can run. Now you get Robbie Anderson who can fly. Then defensively, Brian Burns, who they picked last year, is a blur up front on the yeah. first level of the defense. Say if you get Isaiah Simmons, now you've got him and Shaq Thompson. Shaq Thompson uh, was a safety in college. He can really run. So you've got those two guys. And then in the secondary, now there's some holes they need to fill, but Dante Jackson ran in the, what, four, high four twos? Um, so, I mean, they now all of a sudden you're starting to see some of that speed that Buck's talking about that, that they needed uh, to, to be at. And so if they can sprinkle in a couple more guys and look where they're drafting, uh, pick 38, they're going to get a chance to get somebody else that can really, really run there too. So, um, you know, I look at potentially some corner options they could have there um, in the second round. You can find some intriguing guys that can run. So, you know, maybe that's a – Igbenogany from Auburn, who's got big time, big time speed. Um, you know, see if I don't know if AJ Terrell is going to make it that far. Uh, Jeff Gladney is an interesting one from TCU, who who did not run a blistering time, but but in talking to some teams over the last few weeks, they said you know he was not healthy. He actually kind of fought through injury there at the combine. So I, I think he is a faster player than what his time will tell you. He ended up running a four four eight, which is a good number. Um, but they said no, this kid's much faster than that. He was actually he was actually working through something there. So uh, I, I think getting faster is is the way we're going to see the Carolina Panthers build this football team, Buck. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's how it has to be. It'll be interesting uh, with Phil Snow running that defense, what they eventually want to do uh, defensively and how they can kind of deploy it because in the Big 12, they were a team that went from a 4-2-5 to a uh, a 3-3 stack defense because they wanted more speed. Uh, I wonder how that translates to the way that they want to play NFL style. Do they become a team that is a little more exotic with their sub packages, um, two down linemen, four linebackers, uh, five defensive backs. Do they do some of that uh, 3-3-5 stuff on passing downs to get more athletes on the field to attack? And then on offense, we saw how Joe Brady attacked at LSU with a lot of empty, um, emptying it out, moving people around. How do they deploy Christian McCaffrey? Do they make him kind of like that, that wild card playmaker that exploits uh, coverage? Um, and is Teddy Bridgewater comfortable p playing that way? But I think at the end of the day, you want to have basically a track team on both sides of the ball to be able to run and chase and create uh, big plays and turnovers. And Matt Rule seems to be sticking to what he had told us when he joined us on the podcast about a hey, speed, 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 get playmakers on the field because those are the guys that uh, change games. Well, boys, this has been a, uh, a jam-packed show here. It's been uh, great to catch up with everybody. You guys want to add anything before we jump out of here? Well, I was kind of curious, um, and I, uh, I wanted to mention it uh, when we were getting into our, our Cam Newton discussion, but I, uh, I, my speakers had a weird, uh, weird deal going on there, so I, I didn't. But 
And uh, forgive me if, if you guys have, have talked about this at all before, but does uh, Tampa taking or signing Tom Brady as uh, a free agent make them more or less likely to take a quarterback in the first round? I wrote about it the other day, uh, Buck. I said less likely in the first round. I, I thought more likely in the second round, and that's why Jacob Eason, to me, a guy that's been tied to them, makes a lot of sense there in round two. I just think if you're, if you're bringing in a 43, a soon-to-be 43-year-old Tom Brady, you're trying to make a push right now, and you don't. You're not. You're not drafting. Um, you're not drafting somebody to eventually yeah. replace him. You're you're drafting somebody in the first round that can help him. Um, so that's why I, I think that takes them out, and that's why uh, that's why I've had Jordan Love, you know, potentially dropping um, because 13 used to be the Colts. They're gone. They traded out. Uh, 14 Tampa. They signed Tom Brady. I, in my opinion, that takes them out of the quarterback market. So now, if the Raiders aren't going to take Jordan Love, and by bringing in Marcus Mariota, I think that makes that less likely. Um, then now you're looking at, at Jordan Love being there in the 20s, which you know there's a lot of different ways I can go with that. And one is you know I had the Green Bay Packers being a landing spot for him. You know, be a perfect situation for him to sit and learn behind uh, behind Aaron Rodgers for you know two years. And then you turn the reins over to him, and you might get another 15-year run, uh, you know, third in a row here for the Packers, going from Favre to Rodgers to Love. The other one that I could see happening was, what if you scrimmage this out, Buck? Let me ask you this. Tell me what you'd rather do. If I told you you're the Chargers, let's say Tua goes to the Dolphins. If you're the Chargers uh, picking at six, would you rather take an Isaiah Simmons or a Derek Brown or you know maybe it's maybe it's Mackay Becton or whatever tackle is your favorite tackle? You take a regular a position player at six, um, and then I told you you could get that player plus Jordan Love were to drop and you could trade back into the back into the first round with your high second round pick, um, which is number thirty seven. Would not be that costly to go from thirty seven say to you know twenty nine and go get Jordan Love. Would you rather have Isaiah Simmons and Jordan Love, or would you rather have Herbert at six and whoever you're going to get at 37? Well, I'm, I'm going to be greedy. I'm going to take Simmons and Love because in Simmons I, I get too. an explosive athlete to pair alongside Derwin James, and then Love is kind of like the bonus pick. It's bonus because if he hits, he gives me a guy that is comparable to the guy that's in the division and Pat Mahomes. And Justin Herbert I like. Um, and I like a lot, but it, it kind of strikes me as like you'll like him, but then you get him on the field and you're like, eh, eh. <laughs> you know, whereas I know the exactly first, what you're saying. Yeah, the first day of minicamp. And I always I always kind of think about the first impression that is made in minicamp. We know when we see Isaiah Simmons at minicamp, that first practice, he's going to do one or two All things flash. where, yeah, where we kind of look at each other like, yep, yep, that's. <laughs> that's the thing so i'm just i'm just a little um more apt to go for the wild player and isaiah simmons and potentially jordan love than justin herbert and a possible yeah plus you're getting the extra year of control uh on the on the contract yeah so, by trading back in yeah. yeah so i think it's a good scenario no, that's those, interesting that's why i need pat to the draft man we need those oh, no. scenarios and, and i'm glad we're at least getting them here man uh, no doubt buck any final thoughts here no, nah, man, this is a good discussion. Um, really good. I really like the stuff that you talked about, um, the insight that you provided with uh, moving the draft back. Um, because I've seen it kind of pop up online, but I don't think un- people understand the challenges of having to do it in a different way. And how what I would say the teams that have always kind of done it really heavily off the film and uh, putting everything down kind of before the combine, 
are the teams that will continue to succeed in this process because they'll kind of stick to what they saw in the fall and they'll be more likely to be right uh, on those opinions. Trust the tape. That's uh, something that's been said for for decades here in in evaluation. Trust the tape. That's going to serve you well. Uh, during this uh, uncertain time. Well, I appreciate you guys listening to the show today. Again, if you have any questions, we just answered some on the previous episode, but if you if you have some questions for us, leave a, leave us uh, some of those questions on Apple Podcasts. Just go into the ratings and, and reviews. You leave us a rating, drop a question, and then review, and, uh, and we'll be sure to get to that here in one of these upcoming episodes. Remember, you can check out all the videos, nfl.com slash mtsvideo or youtube.com slash podcasts. And uh, tell a friend. I know there's, a, there's not a lot of programming on right now. So if you have some people out there, some buddies or friends that are looking for their football fix, uh, point them in our direction here at Move the Sticks. That even rhymed. I didn't even mean for that to happen, but uh, it did. Wow. All right, that's going to do it. That's, uh, that's Rhett Lewis. That's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, Have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Monogram at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. This is the lunch rush at your local deli. Orders are flying in. Online, on the phone, and in person. Order for Nick. So is it possible that fast internet could help your business outrun the rush? It is with Comcast Business. Powering your connected devices with gig speed Wi-Fi and fast downloads and uploads. With Comcast Business, next level speed isn't just possible, it's happening. 
Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Requires gigabit internet and compatible router. Actual speeds vary.